Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. It is Tuesday night. We are back to our normal late time. Um, and we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot of hot topics going on with the Blazers. I feel like this has been an up and down. Like we'll have a week where it seems like there's not that much to talk about. But really, we've had a lot to talk about, even with, you know, the the season going the way that it is. We can say it, even with the Blazers losing like 90% of their games. But on purpose-ish. Sort of, kind of on purpose. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, no. <laughs> they they aren't trying to lose. They beat the, Detroit and Washington. I knew, I knew Josh Hart was going to get sat. I knew he was going to come up with some kind of injury. <laughs> At the second that they started, when, when they almost beat the Nets, I thought, okay, well, that's it. Josh is going to be sat. Sit, sat, sitting, whatever. That whatever form of sitting on the bench you want to give him, he's going to be it because... They got too close to that one. <laughs> Do not play well if you're from the Blazers. It's like uh, it's like the injury bug will get you too. And pretty yeah, soon it, they're going to have nothing but people on ten day hardship contracts, and they're it's like, like Blazers roulette. Yeah, who's going to be who's going to be sitting next time? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Justice <laughs> like Winslow. You, just sorry if you play well, it, you might as well put on the red shirt in Star Trek. I mean, we know that you're going next. I'm not familiar enough with Star Trek to get that reference, but I'm sure it's a good one. Somebody will, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Justice is next. I'm just saying he might want to watch himself because <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna end up fake injured or or not fake injured, but um, overly and whatever. He's gonna end up on the bench yeah. if he's not careful. <laughs> he's gonna have a, a hangnail or something. Yes, uh, Brandon Williams. I mean, uh oh. Oh yeah, <laughs> Brandon, out, Brandon Williams, Williams too. Yeah, we've got we've got a couple guys. They've really come out the gate and and impressed me. And and we'll get to all that. But there's some big topics. Um, you know, we usually kind of lead in with how how the team's doing, but we all know how the team's doing. So we're going to skip over that. Maybe we'll get to it later. There's some kind of big topics right now that are worth talking about. One has me heated. Uh-oh. I am. Let's go with that one. Riled up about it. Um, Nurkic. So just to set the tone here, the trailblazers were in uh, Indiana playing the Pacers and there was a video that went viral that surfaced and it's a very short, it's like 15 seconds. And all you see is Nurk walk over to a fan, a Pacers fan, 
the and and kind of get in his face and the Pacers fan puts his phone up to Nurk's chest. Nurk takes the phone out of his hand and tosses it. Tosses, let's just say that. Nurk was playing uh, keep or yeet a little bit early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tosses the phone and the fan is like, what'd you do that for? And Nurk turns and walks away um, as security kind of tries to do something they weren't very helpful um and that went all over the place and people were just ripping nurk apart so here's what happened dave i saw this video and my initial reaction was "Ooh, this is not a good look for nurk so i looked at the guys the the where the video came from the guy's instagram and i went digging and so i went on instagram and he was private so i requested him to add me and he did and I could see the context of the video, so I screen recorded it, and y you see the entire context of it. And the the thing that was the 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 two things that were left out of the video that got circulated all over the place is one, there were the guy posted something about how they'd been picking at Nurk all night. This was not just an isolated incident; they'd been picking at him all night. And then after he does the phone thing, you see them just freaking out in excitement they're happy about it these fans were thrilled that he came over and did this um and then i went searching even a little bit deeper and the guy's brother had tagged him on the post and basically said um that's how you annoy this literally these are the words my brother courtside at the Pacer game. That's how you annoy a player. Well done, little brother. And I was infuriated when I started to put this together. Um, and it goes back to something that we talk about regularly on here. The fact that these guys are people. They are human beings. They are not just obviously they're playing a game and there's an entertainment value and all that stuff. But that's the, you cannot leave out their humanity in that. And the thing that I kept going back to over and over before anything else was put out there is, you know, these guys deal with hecklers all the time. That's part of being a professional basketball player. I sat on a court tonight and shot a basketball game and I listened to the team go back and forth with each other. Two of the guys almost got in a fight with each other. Then the team is fighting. The two teams are talking trash to each other. The fans are talking. There's a lot of trash talking that goes on. It's part of it. That's part of the game. So for Nurk to go out of his way to approach this fan, my gut instinct was there's more to this story than this guy just booing and, you know, heckling Nurk. Something else had to happen. So it came out today that um, the fan was making comments about Nurk's grandmother, who we know passed away from COVID last year, and his mom. Um, and so after seeing that, I honestly, I give Nurk props for not throwing the fan into the stands. So there's where we're at, Dave. Yeah, possibly. I mean, comments made, you know, flip a coin, how much that is spin and how much that is whatever. Who knows in the heat of the moment. I agree with you that the players are human beings and should not be subjected to that. Uh, players are also human beings with access to security. And uh, that's the proper route to go. And I believe that players can have either people objected, ejected or appealed to security for same yeah. or to have them moved, which is the proper move. There's no way that Nurkic should have approached that fan, touched him, taken his phone in any way. I mean, you don't know who that guy is. You don't, you don't know what their agenda is. Uh, and it may be to get money, but it may also be a person with a short fuse or some kind of 
mental divergence or something like that. You know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I think the fan was an ass. I mean, stay cla- stay classy, Pacers fan, you know. But I think most Pacers fans would also say, that guy's an ass. That guy shouldn't be representing anybody. Probably they wouldn't really object if the dude was tossed out of the arena and never allowed back. I think we all agree on that. Nothing justifies Nurkic doing what he did. Uh, and he has to find an alternate way to take care of it because there's too much at risk for him and the fans for him to not do that. So, I mean, I get it in a sense what you're saying. I get it in a sense what he did, but this should never be repeated. And he has to be the person who doesn't do that. Uh, it's, it's just, I mean, why are you even getting, why even getting that close to a fan, dude? That's just not, that's not smart. Uh, no matter what the fan said. It's just not... You're a professional athlete. You have millions of dollars on the line. That guy throws a side kick to your knee, and now you're on crutches just when you need yeah. a contract. You just stay away. But that doesn't justify what the fan did. I agree with that part. Yeah, see, I you say it doesn't... I, I, I You initially said it doesn't justify what Nurk did, and I, I hear where you're going with that. I would disagree. I think it's justified. I do not think it's smart. I think I think you're right in that he should not have done it. He shouldn't have approached the fan. He should have had security. <laughs> the security guard that was involved didn't look like he was much help. But he could have. You're right. There, they could have easily, you know, asked to have him thrown out. We've seen that happen before with fans. He should have been tossed. That guy, for what he said to Nurk, should have been tossed out of that game and told he couldn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think you know I always I put this in the scenario of if they were out in in real life and he said those kinds of things to a guy like Nurk, he would have been flattened. Um, but in you're right in the sense that in this case. Nurk has to hold himself to a certain standard, I suppose, of conduct being a player that he in turn got fined $40,000. So obviously he broke a a conduct. The the thing though is you actually make a point that I hadn't thought of that, you know, yeah, the the fan could have done, I mean, the the guy looked a little puny. He probably wasn't going to hurt him, but if he'd done something to him and hurt him or whatever, that was risky. Um, So I I think it's one of those things where you hate to just, I I don't know. I don't know what I would have done in this situation. I don't blame Nurk at all. Um, I I get why he did, but you're right. It, It wasn't, it wasn't the best choice. That being said, I I think personally he was totally justified. I just don't think it was a smart move. Well, I mean, and here's the other thing. Even if you're out on the streets, you don't do that. I mean, look, professional fighters, like MMA fighters, will tell you, look, I'm the best fighter in the world, but I'm an idiot if I take on somebody in the streets. I mean, there are some of them, I'm sure, who would disagree. but Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's coming up behind you. You don't know if that guy's going to hold you and then someone else is going to jump you. And like you said, security was trailing this situation. The other thing that um, that I think is, is a, I don't know, a point of divergence where this could have done a, gone a different way, that guy was not in between Nurk and the exit. Nurkic was literally walking across the middle of the floor out there where he was safe where the fan could not get. Nurk closed the space between himself and the fan. Yeah. And that's Yeah, he went to confront him. Yeah. He that, went to confront him. That's where you have to that's where you have to turn that around. Now, if the fan is up in your grill, I get it. But you know what? Those yeah. are crappy words. They are still just words. 
you can get away from them by going down that tunnel and you never hear those words again from that guy, right? So when you choose to close the space like that, you're making a decision to engage in something that you don't want to be a part of. You, you cannot do that as a, as, in that situation as a professional athlete. I, to, the, the guy's an ass. Eventually, either karma or somebody else will get it. Get him. He'll do that to the wrong person. And, uh, you know, he'll end up, like you say, flattened on the street. But that person shouldn't be you. And if you've got a chance to walk away from that, you got to walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that would have been the, you know, the safe, smart choice. But I also totally get why he didn't. I, I really do. I, I don't. It's funny because I used to say that I'm not a confrontational person, but it turns out that I am. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't love, you know, negative things. I don't like people being mean to each other. I don't like things like that. But I am somebody who stands up for myself. I stand up for the people around me. I don't like that kind of thing. So if somebody were doing that in a situation like that, I am someone who would have a really hard time just walking away from it. So I don't blame him for that. I, I hear what you're saying and I think you're right. But I also, I think two things can be true. I think the right thing was for him to turn around and walk away and ignore it, call security on the guy, get the guy booted out of the game. That would have been the the best possible scenario. But I think it can also be true that it I, it's understandable what he did and I don't blame him for it. I think I'm somebody who like I watched that happen and I thought, uh oh, this is a bad look. And then as soon as I started putting things together and realizing what was going on there, I immediately thought, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. So and actually after hearing what was said, I watched that and I thought, man, he actually kind of showed some restraint. I might have punched him. I mean, I probably wouldn't have. And yeah. if I had it, probably wouldn't have hurt him. Dude, but just, I'm not nerd. Dude, just use the power you have, dude. Use the power. Go give an interview to to uh, Chris Haynes or somebody about how absolutely crappy Indiana fans are. Use your bully pulpit. Use every. Yeah. Use the power you do have. Don't like that was not power. That was risk with absolutely nothing done. You you didn't yeah. you didn't take power right. over him. You touched him first. You did. Everybody. No, is the going guy to, put his foot. Nurk walked up to him and he put his phone up to Nurk's there was, chest. There was air between the phone and his chest. And well, by the Nirk way, Nurk didn't actually touch the guy. He just touched the phone. Well, you're being a little bit technical there. He reached out yeah, and touched his stuff. He touched. Nurk broke the bubble. Nurk broke nah, the bubble. I disagree. Nurk broke I've, the bubble by approaching. Nurk broke the bubble by grabbing the phone. And you know what? We can we can debate this all all year long but if something more had happened if that guy had been hit by the phone or something like that it would have been said that nurk is the one who initiated the contact and you just I, just ah it just don't do that God, you know, yeah, this guy's not gonna was... pay your bills this guy's got it this guy's got no access to fame except what you just gave him Nobody yeah. would have known this dude existed, but you just I, gave him the pulpit. You just gave him the power. Everything you wanted to do, you didn't do. And you're the only one who was at risk there. He's the only one who got power in that situation. Uh, to, to do, the, do the effective thing. Or, yeah, or you I, know what? Slip someone. You're on the way out. You got to roll. Slip someone a couple thou to uh, go and beat the snot out of him. But it's just not you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I. I. I think. I think even Nurk would agree that you know 
that you you know Nurk knew full well when he walked over there he was going to get fined. He had to know. Um, and it, it just for him in that moment, it was worth it. And, you know, ultimately he's responsible for his actions, just like that guy is. Um, so it, it's an unfortunate situation all around. I just, I think anytime I look at a situation like that and I even, I even like, I'm at a point where I will question myself, like Dia, if this was a fan of the opposing team, would you have the same? Is it just because it's Nurk and you like him and he's on your team that you have this attitude? Or is it because of the situation? Like, I try to take that aspect out of it and look at the situation from the outside. And I think even then, I wouldn't blame the guy. I, I Again, you're right. I think even Nurk would say, you know, I mean, I can't speak for him, obviously, but I would think even in hindsight, he would say like, hey, yeah, I could have walked away. I could have had security called on him, whatever. Um, but I just... I don't blame him. And the other thing that I want to say about this is context matters that it, it, the thing that made me so mad about this was the fact that that video, well, not the thing, there were a lot of things, but the fact that that video was clipped, that they just took that one little portion they didn't show. And I know people will say it doesn't matter, whatever, but to me it does. Like when you see their reaction after he walks away, they were not upset about that phone. They did not care. They just loved it. And it was what they wanted, which actually is you know nurk kind of gave them what they wanted but like just the fact that that seeing that celebration just made me even angrier and i wish that it hadn't been clipped when it went viral because i think i think that makes a difference in the story and i think in general context matters i mean you're you're not incorrect but that guy was a tool you could tell that guy that was guy a was tool awful. by the way he was standing i mean i'm sorry but like my you're yeah, I won't. I won't say names. I don't say we don't use those words on Blazer's Edge. But uh, what that guy was was evident in about two seconds. So I don't think well, that, you know. It's like, he didn't. I mean, he and then he took off. Like as soon, I think I'm still following him. I don't think he kicked me out of his thing. But he he took down his videos. He untagged himself from everything. Like he tried to separate himself from it once it went viral. And, and I'm sure he was getting a lot of hate for it, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, okay. it's just... You're like, dude, do you know uh, how many Bosnians there are? And do you know how much they like Nurkic? <laughs> like, I think, don't anger an entire country, Mr. Pacers fan. It is, it's not worth it. Yeah, it was it was it was dumb. It was just yeah. really dumb. I don't know why sure. any. I mean, the whole thing was dumb. Well, you know, and and fine. I think no harm, no foul in a sense. I mean, forty thousand dollars and a new phone for the dude is the, is the harm. It, it it turned out okay, all things considered. He needs a new phone. You right. tossed it. It probably landed fine. Yeah. He should have taken off the uh, outside, you know, protector. <laughs> but anyway. As, I have no horse in this race as far as the harm that was it was actually caused. It's really not a big deal. Yeah. No, I think we can. I hope we would agree though that this should not happen again ever. This should be a, a no. warning. Well, you know. And <laughs> I also think I also think this constitutes a bigger conversation. If you look at the last two years of basketball, fans are out of control, yeah. and and the access that fans have to players and that players have to fans is a problem in my opinion, in my opinion. And I don't know, I don't know all the ins and outs of how the security is, is trained and all that stuff. But I started thinking like that security guard, what, ha what would have happened if the two of them actually, like, what if this was a bigger dude and they actually started going to that security guard was going to be pointless yeah. at that point. Although, and, 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 yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and I just, I started thinking about that and thinking, you know, I, I, 
the courtside seating almost seems to me like it needs to be dispersed, like, or pushed back or something because it's, they, there's just so much access and there's been more problems in my opinion over the last year than I remember happening. And maybe we just see more of it because of social media and things. I don't know, but it just seems like there's been a, a, a massive amount of problems. Maybe they should take away alcohol from the people sitting courtside. So they're a little more in control. I don't know, but it just, it just seems to me like it, there's, there's, there's problems here. There's problems with fan and player interaction. Although I would hazard a guess, and then I think we should move on, but I would hazard a guess as to what was going through the security guards mind is that I think they've been trained to uh, intervene when fans who are normal sized human beings try right. to access the court and players, right? Right. So he's probably ready. Like if that fan jumped, the security guard probably would have jumped. This guy was like trailing Nurkic. Like, what the hell do I do with a uh seven foot, two hundred and seventy pound dude who's walking with intent yeah. toward this fan? What do I they're not they're not this is not a scenario, I'm sure, that they train in. You know no, what I mean? <laughs> Especially because, really, the players have leeway to go to fans if they want to. So the security guard isn't going to stop Nurk from walking across the court. Oh, I think he was thinking about it. I think he knew a little bit what was up. He's like, this is weird. This is weird. But, like, okay, wait, should I get in front of him? What's going on? I think probably it all happened too fast. And I probably his mental uh, Rolodex of options was like, what do I do? I can't touch this player. And even if I touch this player, it's, he's way bigger. I, and by the time he caught up to the scenario, it was too late. Yeah, it was it was quite a quite a scene. But I I hope that Nurk is able to, you know, put those words aside. You're right. Words are just words, although words can be hurtful. So yeah. I hope that he's able to, you know, that that's a tough situation. So hopefully he's he's doing OK. Um, okay, so another big topic that's happening right now is Jeremy Grant. Um, Jeremy Grant was someone we've talked about off and on. Uh, I, I brought him up. I thought he would be a good addition. And then some, there was some stuff that picked up and they were talking about maybe there were, you know, rumors that they were going to get him. And then there was actual official talk that came out that they were targeting him and it didn't work out at the deadline. Um, but now we are seeing more that they are still targeting him, that he's still, you know, uh, it's still their plan to go after him, which I find really interesting that they're just being that open about. Um, well, I'm not sure that they're being that open about it as Shams is. I mean, this is... Somebody is, because that information is getting... It's not typical, at least from what I think I've seen, to see this much talk about a team going after a player when the season's still going. Uh, you see it sometimes. I mean, as long as it doesn't come from a, an official of the team or someone paid by the team, it's it's not considered tampering. So okay. uh, it, it, and you're right. It's the intensity and the directness may be on the upper end of the spectrum, but it's not like off the spectrum or totally abnormal. I mean, people know who's going to be courting LeBron for months ahead, you know, yeah. uh, and various other things. So, uh, I mean, James Harden to Philadelphia was rumored for a long time and all that. Anyway, what do you think of Grant? I mean, what's the recap for us? What you think? I, I like him. You know, it, it's I haven't watched him this season, to be honest, other than, you know, bits and pieces. 
Um, but I remember when I was looking into players in the off season and we were debating, you know, who would be a good fit. I remember thinking I'd like to see them go after him. Um, I think, you know, I, I think he's a, I think he's one of these guys that is a, he's a fairly dynamic player. In my opinion, you're, you're going to see him playing. He's not somebody that is, how do I put this into words? Um, he's. I don't know if aggressive is the right word. I feel like he's got solid defensive skills, which is something that we have needed previously. Although I will say that our defense seems to have picked up and our, our offense is not so great now. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like he's he's taller. He's what, six, eight ish, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So he's a, a bigger, a bigger, he's a forward. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he's got a little bit of size. Um I'm not sure I really know exactly. I can't remember now, like the determining factor of why I wanted him, but he just seems like the kind of guy that would fit what we're doing. Um, Again, I like the size. I like the defense. I like that. He, you know, I like, I just think he'd fit well. I think he would fit in with what we already have uh, or had. Now we're kind of unpredictable. I, I, this was all talk before all these big moves were, made but it seems like you know he seems like the kind of guy that like the i remember um um was it cronin that was saying they were going they wanted to find more guys like josh hart essentially and he strikes me as a josh hart type i think he's the kind of guy that will fill a role like that um and i think just as a human being um he will portland fans will like him that was a hodgepodge of an explanation. No, that's great. Um, yeah, perfect. Uh, so I wrote about this uh, the other day, but uh, I'll enhance a little bit here. I think. Wait, wait. Go ahead. One more thing. Yes. Also, please. he was born in Portland. Yay. So it's coming home. And I always like that. Okay, now yeah, continue. That's awesome. So Grant to me is an almost player. Uh, first of all, I think under certain circumstances, they absolutely should get him. But he's like the the almost guy that looks really good. And then there's a little underneath that makes you go, well, yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a big-time scorer in Detroit. But that's largely because he's gotten a lot of touches. I mean, he's, he's not a, a horribly efficient scorer. His three-point percentage is not huge. His free throws are good. Uh, not spectacular. Uh, so it's like it, he, he takes a lot of touches, okay? Uh, that's fine, but you have to ask, okay, if you got Lillard, if you got uh, Simons, if you got Yusuf Nurkic, okay, what kind of cascading effect or is that going to have if the Blazers are committed to making uh, Grant a 20-point scorer the way he was in Detroit? Before he came to Detroit, he definitely was not a 20-point scorer, although his percentages were actually a little higher. So you hope that he's able to fit in a little bit and that his percentages go up. I, th- I don't think that's unreasonable, but you do need to know why he has those stats. He's not a huge rebounder. He's not a, he's not a big passer. Uh, he's not incapable of doing those things it's just he's not that that guy but he is a good defender and there's some who have said that he has the potential to be all league in defense which is exciting I, I did notice when reading up more on him that the people who 
determined that he was like all defense were the people who were either removed from the situation or were whose teams were interested in acquiring him. Oh, yeah, he's all defensive candidate, and he could be absolutely spectacular based on this highlight reel and some games, right? Whereas the people who were describing his defense in the places he's been said, yeah, he's a defender, uh, and that's part of the package, but uh, he's he might not be quite as special as advertised. And there might be some questions about how hard he goes at it all the time and whatever. Now, again, I don't think that bars him from becoming a Blazer. I, th- I think the Blazers can live with that. And I think what you really hope is he catches the spark here and becomes the best version of himself, which is actually really, really good. So, I mean, yeah, I'm for getting him. I just think that the Blazers have to be a little careful not to overpay or oversell themselves. Yeah, I always think that's important. And I think, especially right now, with the pieces that we have and the pieces that we could have, I think that's going to be big. I think this is going to be a balancing act as they start to make moves of, you know, not giving away more than they should for somebody that they shouldn't give away more for. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. He's got one year left on his contract. So he either gets really expensive or he's gone. So either way, you have to be careful about, you know, what kind of investment you're prepared to make. You have to know what kind of investment you're making. So here's the deal. Here's the scenario that uh, basically I said, which is I think Detroit's going to be interested in a lottery pick for him. And with the lottery pick, they might take some modest talent, but there's a chance that they won't want huge talent for him, especially since they're going to predict he's not going to stay after next year anyway, right? So if the Blazers have two lottery picks and neither one is like top four, I wouldn't see a problem trading one of those for Grant. Because if you look at that hole that they would get then, one lottery pick player and Jeremy Grant is going to be way better for them probably, unless Lillard bails, than two lottery picks, right? But I would not trade any top four pick for him. That's that's off the table. Uh, and I would not trade both lottery picks for him. You're investing too many eggs in that basket and too many things can go wrong. You have to at least credit the potential of a rebuild and also get two players and not just one, one player for those investments. Yeah, it's... It's going to be such a balancing act. I'm. This is the stuff that I'm still learning and trying to grasp. You know, this how how all of this molds and works together between the contracts and the salaries and the number of guys you have to have on a team and all that stuff. It's so complicated to try to balance all of that and get a roster that fits well together and can compete. I'm so glad that's not my job because it's overwhelming. But I do think we're going to see, I mean, obviously I don't think these rumors continue to come up out of nowhere. I think that's an obvious direction that the Blazers are going. Um, So I I loved, I don't know if you saw the pictures that both Nurk and not Nurk, who was it? Was it Nurk? Maybe it was Nurk and Josh Hart posted talking to him. I think it was Nurk, actually. Mm -hmm. And one after another on Twitter, they both posted photos with him. And it's like, I love these kind of underlying clues of like, maybe they're going to come. And and that was just that that kind of stuff I like. Well, one of the advantages to clearing cap space is that you might be able to make an imbalanced trade. 
I mean, the Blazers can take on more salary than they send out right. at this point. So you, you know, and this might be a use, for instance, for the, uh, you know, for, uh, well, I'm trying to think of who they'd send. I mean, if they didn't send Hart, he's an obvious candidate because he makes 12 million, which is close to 20. That's the other thing is actually. But Grant's they're keeping him according to Cronin. Right. But keeping him could be keeping not not. The, keeping him could mean picking up the option year on his contract, which would mean he was with the team, but that, they could also be keeping him in order to trade him. I would prefer to keep him as well. I mean, that, but yeah. I mean, you've got Hart. Uh, Bledsoe doesn't solve your problem. I mean, we need to look and, and see where the numbers end up. I, I think, though, that they can probably absorb his $20 million without too much difficulty. And that's the exciting part, is that maybe it takes a lottery pick and not too much else. Uh, and that would be that would be decent. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a solid bet that there is a Jeremy Grant Portland Trailblazers jersey in, in the future. Um, it, it seems like they're... They're leaning towards that, and I, I would not be surprised to see that happen. Right. Uh, just, just don't it, spend both lottery picks for him. That's all I right, ask. That's right. all I ask, because then the <laughs> so, risk becomes too It's much. not a lot to ask, really. That's not a lot to ask. Um, another big thing going on right now, well, it should be big, but it's not really, is the fact that Damian Lillard, they've announced that he will not be returning this season which is huge news that our star player will not be coming back this season. But <laughs> that got announced and I went, wait, didn't we already know this? So, you know, between the injury and the way that the, the season has gone and the comments that have been made, I think at one point early on, Dame said, you know, if, if we're just competing for lottery picks, like I'm not going to come back. Um, and so I think most of us had just kind of written that off as, Dame's not going to be back this season. So when it was announced and it starts, you know, I'm getting all these notifications on Bleacher Report and all this stuff there. And, and um, you know, it's all this news is being broken. And I'm like, this is not news. We knew this. <laughs> so um, it, you know, Dame will be out for the rest of the season recovering from this injury. I think it's a smart move. I think it, there's no reason to risk him re-injuring it or not, you know, really taking the time to fully heal as much as he possibly can and, and even rest a little bit um, so that he's ready to go for next season when hopefully we're, we're competing for, you know, a title. There's no reason to risk. There's no reason to risk winning games. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, that's well, the long that short too. of it. I mean, that too. I mean, come on, if they're pulling Anthony Simons and they're pulling Josh Hart, they're Damian Lillard's not coming back. So yeah. That, I, mean, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. He's going to come back from his injury to what sit on the bench with a stubbed toe. Yeah. Well, and yeah, exactly. So he's got <laughs> a built, that... they don't even have to make up one for him. He's actually had surgery. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly. Might as well keep him out at that point. Yeah, I mean, I could just see the Blazers like, what's the Latin term for ingrown toenail or something? <laughs> you know? I wonder sometimes if these guys even know that they're injured. Like, they just get informed, hey, buddy, you're injured. You're going to sit on the bench <laughs> from now on. Like, 
Yeah, well, I mean, and remember this every time, like, because this often gets brought up in conjunction with betting or fair reporting or whatever it is. And just remember how anybody can be injured at any time. I mean, the infamous flu-like symptoms and various other things that go on. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just... if it, Teams will do what teams do, and there's not too much way to regulate it. Yeah. And this is, And this is, I think, this is an important distinction with tanking, and we talked about this briefly before. But when a team tanks, it's not the players. Our players are out there playing their butts off, which is why they keep getting, quote-unquote, hurt, because... They're playing their butts off and they're doing well. Um, when a franchise decides to tank, it's not the players not playing well. Um, it's it's moves like this. So yeah, it, it's it's we'll see. We'll, I mean, they have to keep a certain amount of players to play. Mm-hmm. So unless they get to the point where they start forfeiting games, which obviously they're not going to do. <laughs> well, but, I mean, speaking of not playing well, I mean they did not play well against the Knicks or the Pacers. Oh boy. There was no. a lot of not playing well going on there. And you know what? It's funny because they're, the defense, the Blazers would have killed for this level of effort on defense any time in the last decade, basically. And uh, now we're finally getting it. And every three-pointer is a huge adventure. And they haven't got any ISO moves. I mean, they're, they're scoring. It's really awesome that they're scoring, by the way, passing. You know, their shots with assists are pretty and they're unselfish sharing the ball, sometimes oversharing. These are all great characteristics, right? Defending hard, sharing the ball on offense. You think that's going to lead to wins. No, uh, not when uh, you have no shooters uh, and you have nobody capable of making an ISO move. And it's really, I mean, Brandon Williams, we, we love you. And if he's got more or less a straight line drive, he is super quick. I mean, super quick. Like, you better not give him, as soon as he sees that, it's like a video game lighting up. You just press the turbo button, and he's gone. And that's amazing to see. But other than those opportunities, have you seen them try to score one-on-one? It's really, you can almost see the other team chuckling. So, like, everything you wanted, you got. But everything you had, you lost. And now it's way worse. Yeah, it's a really weird thing to not be the best or one of the best teams at shooting. <laughs> it's, it's very weird because we've been so good at it. And, and you know, then to actually have solid defense is is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been able for years. You can almost tell when a shot's going in. Not every shot, but, you know, when somebody pulls up and you see their release, you're going, yeah, that's that's probably in. Now it's just like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like you see a guy's release and you're like, that could go in or it could hit like a foot wide on the backboard. And literally either one, uh, even Ben McLemore, I mean, and he's the shooter, but he's had some God awful shooting games like from distance. And he's been open as just like, nope, 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 nope. It's like, oh. I, I, Ben McLemore is the one that I thought, okay, he's next. They're going to sit him. He's, he's done for. He's playing too well. But they, you know, he, at the end of the day, though, Dave, I got to say, I'm really enjoying this team. They almost beat the Nets. That was, they, they, that was almost a, almost a win. Make it's, Kevin Durant's head they, explode. 
What? Make Kevin Durant's head explode if that had Golly. happened. Golly. Yeah. It's always interesting to get in Twitter spaces of of, of opposing teams after the Blazers beat them um, because they don't know what to do with that. It's but a wave it, of depression. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened? It's definitely something. Um, and then they beat the Pistons, which it, it, that was an interesting thing to talk about as well because – you know, I know we're kind of we need them to lose for the picks, but at the same time, like there's a sense of morale that I think it's good for them to win one every now and then. If they just went from now to the end of the season and didn't win one game, you're going to have guys that aren't going to want to say these guys are competitive. They want to win. They don't want to go out there and lose. And they don't you know, and that gets tiring game after game after game after game. Like your morale is going to drop when you know you're just going out there to lose. Like that's not a good thing either. So I think having games like that where they come out and they win and it's a fun game and they play well, I think that's good for the team. Um, Hopefully we do it with teams that are not going to take away, you know, our picks. Well, I mean, there are a couple of, of shades to this. Number one is they can't really pull players like Ben McLemore and Brandon Williams because those guys are playing for careers. You know, the, look, Damian Lillard is going to play next year no matter where he is if he wants to. I mean, with Portland, without Portland, uh, injured, not injured, you know, he he's the one who determines that. He's never going to, at this point, be out of the league. But, you know, Brandon Williams finally gets to show his stuff after how hard he's worked. Uh, or Justice Winslow finally gets on a roll uh, and Williams' contract is up and Winslow's is up in another year and they start doing well and you're going to pull him, pull them, that's cruel. That's just, I can't imagine doing that. And also, I think in some ways it wouldn't work because very few teams at an NBA play, sorry, NBA pace will score 80 points. I mean, sometimes, yeah, but... A team's going to score 100, I mean, or get close, and sometimes more, which means someone on the court is going to score those points. And that's a little bit of what's happening here. I don't want to take anything away from the players. They've had some great efforts. But you know what? If Ben McLemore or Brandon Williams weren't scoring 20, someone in on the floor is probably going to. So, yeah. like, there's a there's a point at which it has to stop. And I think they've reached that point now. You've, you've literally pulled all the veterans with contracts. Let the other guys play and let them play well and let them show what they yeah. can do. Yeah, because what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do at this point? If you start pulling guys like Ben McLemore and, and just like, if, if, what what are we, what, do we even have enough to pull any more, anybody else? Like, Not we're running really. out of people. Right. And in the back, in the basement of the Moda Center, trying to clone C.J. Ellaby, but it hasn't hasn't worked yet. Well, even like, um, you know, Drew Eubanks is on a 10-day contract. Chris Dunn is on a 10-day contract. Yeah. Is anybody else? Is it? It's just those two. I, I like watching Drew Eubanks play. I just, I, do too. I just like watching. There's, it's just like old school, like old school fundamentals. I do this. This is basketball, and you can't stop me. Not because I'm great, but because this is how basketball works. When you do X, Y, and Z, you get good opportunities. And it's like, thank you, Drew. It's like, okay, I understand that. This is not PhD level that he's not going to be an NBA all-star, 
but there's some really good high school algebra, basic fundamental stuff going on there. And I'm not saying he's a high school player. He's a pro player. But you know what I mean? It's like, oh, the stuff they taught me in algebra does apply in the world. And I like that. Uh, he's thank you, Drew Eubanks. I think it's been it's been great watching you. And I hope he gets to stick for the rest of the season. I wouldn't mind if he was in training camp next year. I'd bring him back for sure. And if they need a forward, uh, take him or yeah. a backup center, third string center or something. Take him. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. He's he's really been great. Honestly, I'm really happy with all the guys we have. I think all the guys have come in and been fun to watch, and they've been good. Um, I, Chris Dunn is one that I've enjoyed. I mean, again, he he's one that I shot in the G League, so there's always a little bit of an attachment there. For me, I want to see those guys do well. Um, but he he's been fun. I knew he would be. Um, same with Keon Johnson. I I was I was a big component for Keon Johnson when when he first got signed I was real excited about him you can um, see Chauncey start to chew a pencil to the nub when they miss shots though like when they get it's like ah that's, that's, that's. well the other thing I mean, it happens oh my gosh how important is the transition game now I mean that's another thing that's morphed and again for a decade we said easy buckets easy buckets right and they, they haven't been there but this team like runs or dies basically and they push everything, which is fun to see. It's also the only way they score. But also, have you noticed that Billups has a short fuse when it comes to transition defense? You you might get one layup where you get a free pass, but if you let the other team get a second layup, you the the whistle's blowing and you're you know you're you're huddled up. Uh, and yeah. it's pretty funny to watch him. It's like, I know it's, it's basic, it's whatever, predictable, but it's still just after what we've seen, it's really hilarious to, to watch that happen. I wonder sometimes if that's a product of having been a player, that you almost have less tolerance for, you know, coaches that never played at that level. Um, maybe there's a little more tolerance for, I, this is just, I don't know that no. this is fact. This is just my observation, but I wonder if there's a sense in which, because he played and he, you know, ex certain things were expected of him or he played a certain way that he kind of has that expectation for his, I almost said children, <laughs> but kind of, it's kind of like yeah, that. Like you, bit. you know, as a, as a parent, because of certain ways that you've done things or whatever, like you have certain expectations on your child. And I, I wonder sometimes if that's the case with a guy like Chauncey who played in the NBA himself, where there's a sense in which, you know, you kind of expect that because you know that they can, or you know that it's fair to expect that. I think you have a different perspective as a coach who used to be a player than a coach who, who didn't. Yeah. There's nuances to what's going on with coach Phillips. And I mean, that they're playing hard is a credit to him, but I, I'm seeing this overstated a lot of places, okay? And yes, I, I think I mentioned this in the recap, that we're seeing a, a blank slate here. This is how Coach Billups would like to scheme, at least with these players, and the type of game that I think he favors, which is great. But when you start to get, okay, people say, well, he's calling out players and he's not having any tolerance for them, you know, when they mess up. Well, of course he is because... These guys don't play in the NBA. You know, I mean, he has he has ultimate control, ultimate power, 
right now over how much they play and a lot of their futures. So he can do that. I'm not saying he would wield it that way, but you know, they have incentive to listen to him. And he has absolutely full green light to coach them however he wants and to call out whomever he wants. It only counts if you also do it when your regular players are back. And I especially was like, yeah, he's naming names now. Well, of course he's naming names. There's nobody's name who counts. <laughs> when he names Lillard or McCollum <laughs> or whatever it was, that's when it would stick. But that didn't happen, right? So it'll be interesting to see how this morphs as veterans come back and whether they catch some of the spark. And I believe, by the way, this is happening. You watch Portland's veterans on the bench and they're actually rooting pretty hard for these players and, and into it. And maybe yeah. that style will catch on. But if it's to be meaningful, it has to happen with more than just nothing on the line and more than just nobody on the roster, basically. Does it feel to you like this season has been three years long? Oh, heck yeah. And there have been I, three I seeing- different seasons. Yeah, I was thinking about the fact that, like, this is Chauncey's first season with the Trailblazers, and it feels like it's been four seasons long. I feel like the fact that he's, a you know, a rookie coach, I keep forgetting that because it feels like he's been there for so dang long. Yeah, and there were literally four seasons, actually, not three. There was been four. There was the beginning of the season with expectations and veterans, right? There was the coping with injuries phase where the injuries were legit and, you know, C.J. McCollum went down and Damian Lillard was struggling and all that. There was the whole trade deadline thing, and that was brief, but it was its own year. And then there's the post-trade deadline, basically extended tank or extended run for players who don't play uh, for the Blazers usually. So that's literally four different years. Uh, So this is a baptism by fire. But at the same time, you can't miss that the expectations went from very high to none, which is almost a freebie. I mean, this is that's not going to happen. That's not usual. Usually the expectations ascend, right? And if you don't meet them, the consequences are pretty dire by the end of the season. So in a way, I think Coach Phillips has gotten a lot of experience here. But in a way, I feel like he hasn't gotten, I won't say any, but this is this being an atypical season kind of takes away his first year. Yeah. I mean, next year is going to be a dramatically different year than this year. And I know that every team makes changes in the off season, but it's, I mean, Damian Lillard has barely played this season. And, and so the fact that he's had to, and, and how many different rosters, I mean, how many different changes have there been? It's just been a constant thing. So it's, it's going to be interesting going forward and next season. I do think the one thing that he's obviously got under his belt at this point is a season where he's established himself with the, you know, player relationships. Um, so at least he's got that at this point where he's had this year to, to get to know the guys and, and, you know, build that, that, trust i guess with them and and kind of figure out his way which in in a sense it's kind of nice that he didn't have the pressure to win on him his first year you know he kind of was able to figure things out and and try things without the pressure of um of of however they win or lose being on him because at this point nobody's talking about him as a coach 
being an, uh, a factor on how this team is doing. Nobody's, at least not that I'm hearing, we are not hearing that conversation because even though he's a new coach and I think initially, especially there was a lot of talk about how, well, how the team does, you know, is going to, it's going to say a lot about him as a coach. But at this point, nobody's talking about that because really there have been too many curveballs, too many injuries, too many whatever else to really be able to tell how he's done as a coach by the, you know, wins and losses. So there's a sense in which some of that pressure kind of got taken off of him this season. Right. I will tell you what has become evident, though. And it's not coaching, actually. We're going to pivot just a little bit. But you can tell that the crux of this team still isn't coaching and still isn't necessarily the supporting staff because let's let's just pretend that the Blazers retain Josh Hart and get Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic is back along with Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard. That's your starting five, basically. Okay. What questions are you asking of this team? Number one, is that front court defense enough to make up for the relative lack of defense in the backcourt? Number two, is this team deep enough uh, or, you know, are they going to have problems when the uh, starters sit? Those are two of the main questions that we've been asking for the last five years. Okay. So the questions aren't going to change dramatically, even if the ideal off season happens. Um, that seems to me that th- we know now, we know now where those questions lie and it's not with a coach. It's with, again, as we said all year, the makeup of the team. And it's funny, with even some radical changes, that's not going to change dramatically. Now, it may be answered in a different way. They may finally get an answer, yes, this works. But the basic questions are going to remain the same. So now we know. This is Lillard-centric in a way, or this backcourt-centric anyway. Uh, And uh, this is salary cap and or drafting and or trading centric in terms of what the Blazers can acquire. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there, it's done. I mean, we've been asking this for a lot of time. I think we have our answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, it's just been a season. It's been a season. There are days where I just don't even have words. It's yeah, but it's weird to think there are 10 games left. I thought there were like 20. Like, oh, wait, there's only 10 games left, which is actually kind of welcome news. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's exciting things ahead, though. So if we can if we can get through the rest of the season and have a good outcome, there's exciting things ahead. And I I think that's (laughs) a good outcome. (laughs) Meaning losing. If we get to the rest (laughs) of the season and lose. (laughs) No, I mean, a good outcome, meaning I I know what you mean to get the picks. But not so much that everybody wants to quit and leave. I, I know, but it was funny because up until it's, up until like the delicate. last two months, yeah, I know. But your good outcome would have been win all the games, and we're like, all right, if we get to the season and have a good outcome, which means really losing. That's just, I don't know. I find that hilarious. It's well done. Oh man! Well, last thing for today is uh, because, you know, we're always going to end it on a high note if I have anything to say about it, Mm. um, is Blazers Edge Night. Blazers Edge Night is coming up. By the time we record this podcast next, it will be over. Um, uh, We have, if you are not familiar with what I'm talking about, Blazers Edge sponsors a 
night at the Moto Center, a Blazers game. So people have donated tickets and those tickets have gone to children who would not normally get to see Blazers games. So I think there's a little over 1,700 if I'm not. 1,753 this year. And we kind of cut it off a little below what we usually have uh, just because... I mean, it was COVID and still questions, and the response wasn't as dramatic like a, a month or two ago because of those questions. Yeah. Now that things have eased a little bit, now we're getting a rush, and it's a little too late. I mean, I can't come up with more tickets four days before the game. Right. So, uh Next year, I'm sure we'll be back up over 2,000. But it's funny to say, oh, yeah, only 1,750 kids. No, that's huge. Only 1,753 kids and chaperones will go to the game. Oh, how sad. So it, it's always a great night, and it will be absolutely wonderful. And uh, a lot of us Blazers Edge people will be there. So come up and see us in the stands if you want. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to spot Dia. She'll be the one with rainbows and unicorns floating above her head. Well, and I also found out that I am going to be credentialed for the game, so I'll be able to bring my camera in. So I'll be the one with the big camera. Oh, yay. That will so be I'll, super I'll take pictures of the children. Can I do that? <laughs> uh, it sounds creepy. Uh, you could take all the pictures you want. I think, I'm not sure we can publish them without a waiver, or usually we have. No, so, probably not. But uh, you can take pictures of the floor, and you have a lot better pictures than we usually have. That will be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it'll be fun. It's it's going to be a fun time. Um, I haven't, I have yet to go to a Blazer game at the Moto Center since it's been the Moto Center. Oh my gosh! Um, and your first it, one will be twenty twenty two Blazers Thunder. Well, no, I'm going to the one on the twenty sixth. So I'm getting there the day on the on the twenty sixth. And I'm going to go to the game that night because I actually just made that decision today because I realized there was a game and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to go since I'm going to be there. I'm going to go. Um, but it's it's going to be uh, the fir a first for me. I've been to that building, but it was before it was the Moda Center, right? Because it's the same building. Yeah, it was Rose Garden. Right. Yeah. I've been to the Rose Garden, but now that it's a Moda Center, I have not been there. I have, I don't even remember the last time that I went to a Blazers game in Portland. That's how long it's been. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to, which seems like such an ironic thing, as big of a Blazers fan as I've been and as involved as I've been, like the, the fact that I haven't been to a game, a home game. I've been to several games where they've played in LA. Um, but the fact that I haven't been to a home game in, in that long is, is wild. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a fun night and it's fun to sit among all the kids and see them across the upper bowls and some down in the 200 levels and, uh, always noisy and always fun. And it won't matter that it's Blazers Thunder for a night. It will, and it won't matter the name on the uniform. I mean, would we rather Damian Lillard was playing? Of course, everybody would, but, uh, since he's not, it literally won't matter who else is playing. Everyone will love everyone, and uh, it'll be great. Yeah, it's really – it's just such a cool thing. I mean, I obviously haven't been to Blazers Edge Night, but hearing about it, it I love that – I love that this is something that we do, and, and I think it's, you know, just – it's really cool. These kinds of experiences shape children and, and you know, their their love for basketball and, and you know, the Trailblazers or the Oklahoma City Thunder, depending on how the game goes. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just hope it's not a blowout for the Thunder. That would be bad. But see, now you can root for 
a loss on all the other nights, but we got to root for that win against Oklahoma. Oh City. yeah, absolutely. Like get get the kids a win. Exactly, and lose three times versus the Spurs because that'll help. They pl- play the Spurs three times in like two weeks, so one, two, three losses there should take care of a lot of problems. All righty, well. That wraps up episode 71 for us. When we talk to each other again, it'll be episode 72. Man. Yeah, hard to believe it. Closing in on 100. So we'll be at 100 before the next season starts, I believe. So for Dia Miller, I am Dave Deckard, and it was a pleasure to have you along. And we will see you at Blazer's Edge night, or we will see you the week after. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>